Nineworks Radio is your dedicated Porsche and car podcast, taking you closer than ever to the world's finest sports cars and the culture and history behind them. Nineworks Radio is brought to you by nineworks.co.uk, the innovative online platform for Porsche enthusiasts. Nineworks Radio is presented by Porsche journalist Lee Sibley and 993 owner and engineer Andy Brooks with special input from friends and experts around the industry, as well as you, our valued listeners. Enjoy the episode. Hello, listeners. How are you? Hello, listeners. Welcome to the penultimate episode of the latest series of Nine Works Radio. Can't believe we're nearly at the end of the series. I know. Andy. It goes so quick, doesn't it? Oh, doesn't it just? We're going to finish the series next week with a bit of an award special to round off 2021. Yep. But for this episode, we have got our last guest of the year. Indeed, indeed. Um, Steve from Charade. Yeah, that's it. So Tell this, me about Steve. Well, I've, I've known Steve for probably approaching a year now. Um, it all started actually. So a friend of mine, Leon, who used to work at, um, at Paul Accent Repair, they obviously painted my 996 in Irish green. Oh, yeah. Um, Leon works with Charade these days, who are a Porsche recommended uh, body repairer up in Cannock. Staffordshire and uh, so yeah Leon's gone up there and essentially said one day look call in for a cup of tea when you're swinging past which I did Uh, met Steve Shaw who's the CEO of Charade and obviously I got the grand tour and and have been up there a few times and I have to say Andy I was blown away by the place absolutely blown away I think um, as uh, you know we've seen on on we'll see on camera um steve's a a very kind of well turned out bloke um and it kind of reflects in everything else he does like the place is surgically clean and it just highlights again this real kind of yeah it's this body shop (laughs) yeah it's a it's a real intrinsic um attention to detail and again as i said i've been up there a few times since we did a, a fried eggs back in the summer there yeah and um through that and a couple of videos that we've done on nineworks tv just kind of got to know the staff and i have to say they they all speak kind of so um highly of steve and the management which i think says kind of something about them um but also they, they're all kind of happy to adhere to these exceptionally high standards. And I think it all kind of just translates into, again, exceptional work. So yeah. you and I have wanted to get somebody on for a while that kind of talks about um, body shop, body work, restoration and that side of things. So kind of couldn't really think of anybody better than, than Steve at Charade. Again, Porsche recommended body repairer a personal interest in Porsche spanning decades. And um, again, they're quite heavily involved with Porsche GB with some special projects, which we'll learn about in our, in our interview coming up. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great interview. Yes, exactly that. So let's get Steve on again. Really interesting personal story. He's involved with Porsche for decades, as I said. Uh, he's also been involved in the um, the accident industry <laughs> for, for a, a few years and not long after birth. So um yeah, interesting story all round. Lots to talk about. Let's crack on and get Steve on. Steve Shaw, CEO at Charade. Thank you for joining us on Nine Works Radio. Yeah, my pleasure. Excellent. Good to see you. Yeah, Good likewise. Morning. Well, it's been it's been a couple of weeks now since I was last up at um, at Charade, looking at that beautiful nine eight six Boxster. Really looking forward to chatting about that shortly because it's had a little uh, little display at the NEC since. Just a little yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it'd be centre stage, wasn't it? Without a doubt. Yeah, Without it was. Doubt. Yeah, it looked fantastic. 
it, it'd be nice like before we we dive into that and the many other mm. awesome projects that are going on at charade and, and you really are an awesome body shop with many hands in many porta pies it would seem so it, it'd be nice i think first of all to kind of set the, the set the scene with our listeners and maybe just kind of explain a little bit about what what charade is and, and that side of things yeah definitely so um a brief history on the business um the company started way back in 1968 um so it was set up by my parents um, and it was it was sort of a case of my dad had worked in the trade since leaving school, um, and he'd worked for various places. At at the age of twenty four, he'd moved up to being a workshop controller and ultimately running a business. Um, but then, unfortunately, business got um, shut down, so he was made redundant. Um, and that, like I say, at the age of twenty four, decided to go his own way and set up his own business. Awesome. Um, so he started up in a little coach house behind a pub. Um, just repairing the odd, the odd car here and there. And then over the years, it grew and grew and grew through various um, uh, premises to, from there, he went on to somebody's double garage behind the house. And then in um, early 70s, I think it was about 73, 74, he went to his first uh, proper unit, uh, which he rented. And then late 70s, he actually bought his, his first plot of land um, and built his own purpose-built body shop. Um, so obviously over the years that grew, um, in 94, we moved to where we are now. Um, and again, that was another purpose built site for which we've grown over the years as well. Um, I started in the trade straight from school back in 1986. Um, were you, um, were you pushed into it or did you go into no, it? No, I wasn't, willingly? you know, it, 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 it was, I, I went into it willingly is one of those things that I've, I've always grown up around cars. Yeah. Um, and, and quite interestingly, I, I actually smashed my first car at 18 months old. Um, <laughs> my, um, so, um, my mum, uh, eight, yeah, this one out. <laughs> 18 months old. I, um, uh, my mum had had to go back to work, um, uh, to pick some keys up or something. So um, I jumped into the front of the car. And I, like I say, even from an early age, I've, I've, I've loved cars. So I, I jumped onto the driver's seat and it was a, it was a <laughs> column, sh- from what I've been told, it was a column shift. So um, I'd, I'd stuck it into reverse. Um, and um, it's because she'd left the engine running, it, it reversed all the way down the hill um, <laughs> of where the where his, his place was, which was at the time, which was a, a double garage behind somebody's house. Um, I'd, I'd managed to reverse it all the way down the drive over the road and then down the drive of the house opposite and through their garage. Oh, my um, God. So I, I actually wrote my first car off. It was a Rover from what he tells me. Um, <laughs> I, um, I wrote my first car off at 18 months old. <laughs> so I suppose uh, you were always destined to go into the accident repair game. Then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, as, as again, as, as a kid, um, after school, we'd, we'd go to work and, and, and see me dad and, and, and what have you. And it, it's like most things as when, when you've got your own business, um, my dad was literally working six and a half days a week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, on the business, building the business up, and so forth. So sometimes the only chance you got to see him was was going to see him after work. Yeah, um, and I, rem- I remember walking around uh, the workshop, looking at the cars. Um, that uh, I've got early pictures of me sat in a Rolls Royce in the workshop. Um, again, we, we used to do a few um, 
thinking back to I don't know what year it was, but it was when Margaret Thatcher was in in power. Yeah. Um, and we did a fleet of um, bulletproof Range Rovers that had to be painted in black. <laughs> um, so I remember seeing those in the workshop. That's cool. Um, but it, it was one of those things. He he sort of said to me like um, when I left school. Uh, um, he says, "Look, it's um, you do what you want to do. I'm not forcing you to do it. Yeah. Um, it. It's your choice at the end of the day." Um, and quite interestingly, I always wanted to be an architect. Um, so I love design. I love creating new things. I love buildings. Um, and that was the, my sort of chosen career path for when I left school. Yeah. Um, but it's like most things, I'd, I'd, I'd finished the one day uh, and then my old man says to me, he says, right, uh, he says, don't think you're lying in bed all day. Uh, you can get <laughs> to work. Um, so um, got on my bike, went to work just started helping out sweeping up and doing the various bits and pieces um and I, I always remember one of the first things he said to me is right okay sweep up um I said right what do I do then when I've done that he says do it again because it won't be good enough um so that's always stuck with me in the fact that the the the, the level of detail and qualities is paramount in everything that we did yeah um and and consequently from that i i waited until obviously i've got exam results back which i could have then gone in in, in sixth form and done a levels um and follow um my, my dream if you like um but I, I actually loved being in a work environment um never really enjoyed school because it was sort of forced learning mm-hmm. whereas being in the body shop um there was so much more that was was interesting and loving working on cars so i decided to uh, once once I'd got my exam results, yes, I could have gone back and, and followed that, but I decided that I'd, I wanted to get into the um, the accident repair game. Um, and that's when he said to me, look, you need to choose a career path, whether it's, it's mechanical, uh, paint or, or panel. Um, and, and for me at that, that time, I always remember like the, the lads in the panel shop got these great big jigs and, and massive toolboxes. Um, and that's, that's what sort of inspired me. I thought that's what I want to do. I, I want to rip <laughs> cars to pieces. Um, <laughs> Um, so that's that's what I trained to do. Um, and what sort of stuff were you working on then? You you were talking about sort of ranges, I guess. Oh yeah, there's so, lots of other uh, British Leyland uh, rusting yeah, so hulks my, around. My, the, the sort of cars I were working on in my days was uh, was metros, minis. Yeah. Um, my first door skin I, I did uh, was on a, an Austin Ambassador. Um, and and any any panel beater out there who's who's, uh, who's listening to this. Um, Door skins, you've, you've got to have forearms like Popeye. Uh, we, <laughs> we don't uh, we don't get to fit door skins much these days because of side impact bars and, and yeah. what have you on cars. So it's 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 sort of like a dying a, a dying skill if you like. Um, but to to remove a um, a door skin and then peel the edges over, um, you'd have a big dolly in one hand and, and you're hammering the other, peeling it all over. Um, and again, the, the gauge of the steel on the older cars was was quite thick. Yeah. So to to peel it over so it all looked perfect uh, took some doing. So your forearms were absolutely burning. It was like doing a good workout at the gym. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so it was it was escorts, Mark Threes, Mark Fours, um, the Metros, Minis, uh, Vauxhalls would have been Cavaliers. So that sort of era. So Steve, did Porsche come into your life personally or professionally first? Porsche has always been a massive part of my life. And I, I think back to the days as a kid and we all had the posters on the wall. Um, for me, it was the, uh, it was a 930 turbo, um, in red. There, there was, <laughs> there was actually three, three posters. I think back 
I had on my wall. One was the Porsche. One was the, um, there was a Kawasaki motorbike with three monkeys on it. Um, and there was the, uh, the tennis player scratching a bum. Oh, yeah. I had, <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, those. Didn't those were my on their <laughs> Um, is it Athena, wasn't it? The shop was called. I, I think it was, yeah. Point. Yeah, I think it was. Because those were the days when you could go and buy posters mm. um, and go into record shops and buy albums and, and sit on your, your bed listening to <laughs> reading the words on the back of an album cover and um, yeah. looking at the posters on your wall. Um, but yeah, for me, it, it, it started with the, uh, with the turbo. And I remember back in those days, a, a friend of my dad, um, he had a red 930 turbo and we was at a garden party one day and he rocked up in it and I, I spent most of that garden party just sat out on the drive looking at his car and uh he came out he says do you want to go in it i went oh, oh my God, yes please <laughs> so he, he, he took me for a little razz down these country lanes in it um and he even now i can still remember that experience <laughs> Amazing. Um, and that for me sort of cemented my love for for porsche um yeah. and and i suppose ultimately yeah, i i had my, my first, first Porsche back in 2000, 2001, which is a 986 Boxster 2.5. Um, and then obviously shortly after that, we got um, we got Porsche approval. Yeah, interesting. It's funny what you say about a red 930 being your kind of first Porsche moment yeah, because yeah. that that is uh, that was identical mine. to Andy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. same same car. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and I think even now it's I, you still keep looking at them. And I, when I was at the classic car show a couple of weeks ago, there was a, there was a few there, and you keep looking at it and you think I need one of those cars in the garage. So yeah, at yeah. some point there will be one. Yeah, um, just uh, so I can I can look at it as opposed to look at a picture on a wall. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, for for a car that's um, you know forty, nearly fifty years old now, the yeah. original nine thirty. It still has so much presence on the road. Yeah, it still rocks, was, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I was lucky enough to meet up with somebody last week, actually, uh, locally, who's got a three-litre 930 right-hand drive. Mm. Um, beautiful, beautiful car. And um, serendipitously, because we were meeting at a cafe, but I pulled out onto the um, Sandbanks Peninsula just mm. behind it. So I had this, like, just awesome oh, rear view of this you. car, just, yeah, yeah. bobbing along the road. And I thought, geez, yeah, for, for a car that's nearly 50 years old and mm. proportionally so much smaller than anything else on the road yeah. today, you know, I mean, yeah. a po- VW Polo dwarfs it now, but it's yeah. just, you know, the arches, the wide tyres at the back, mm. that stance, the whale tail, it had so much presence. And, you know, you yeah. just think, well, what, what other car has that kind of really resonates in terms of presence half a century mm. on after production? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I can very well imagine why you guys had that on your on your wall growing up. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, you, you you mentioned being at Porsche recommended repairer, Steve, and that happened in two thousand and one. I think yeah. that's really important to touch on because that is an accolade that's not given out to too many body shops, certainly in this country. So, no, it it isn't. I mean, it, again, it started actually two years earlier in ninety eight. Uh, we were approached by by Porsche, um, and at 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 that time. Um, it, it, it was a direct approval that came through Porsche Cars to Great Britain. Um, and obviously worked alongside dealerships. And in the Midlands area, that there, there wasn't a, a, a Porsche-approved shop. There was, there was one um, uh, sort of South Midlands, like Warwick sort of way on, uh, but, but nothing around our area. Um, and at that time, we were heavy into 
um, the insurance world. I mean, by this point, we were doing some a, a lot of work with insurance companies. The business had grown substantially. We were doing sort of like four hundred jobs a month for insurance companies. Wow, um, four hundred jobs a month. Yeah, Jeez. yeah. We we Trying were to comprehend um, that. Yeah, it's it's um, and again, it, it was a five day week as well. Um, so a, a lot of businesses now work Saturdays and do overtime and stuff, but we never did that. It was um, how the business ran. I ran the workshop and my, my dad ran front of house. Um, so I, I was literally in the shop running it, doing the estimates, um, keeping the production going. Um, and it, it was a massive animal um, to the yeah. point that I'd, I'd been carted off twice in an ambulance with suspected heart attack, but it, it was just panic attacks more than anything. It was just yeah. the, the, the massive scope and, and pressure it all on me yeah. um, of, of delivering to so many customers in, in such a short period of time. Yeah, and um, killer, isn't it? I, the, the thing for me is whilst I I've always loved my job, I hated that I couldn't give the, that level of personal service to every single customer when you're turning yeah. out 20, 25 cars a day. Um, I, I honestly didn't enjoy that part of my job. Yeah. Um, and when Porsche first approached us, back in uh, 98 um, we actually turned them down because I didn't think the business was ready for it I certainly wasn't ready I mean as, as you imagine what it's like when Porsche ring you up and say we want to come and talk to you um, I, I was sort of wetting myself about it yeah. um, excited about being being able to work with a brand that I, I love um, but equally once we'd spoke to them about it I knew that I couldn't give it the service and attention to detail at that time um, so we actually turned them down and they appointed another body shop, uh, probably about 20 miles from us, which was potentially the best thing that ever happened because they really wrecked it. Um, right. they, they were actually a bigger insurance shop than what we were. And they applied the same approach to repairing the cars as they did to, uh, the insurance work. Yeah. Um, whereas as, as we know with, with, with premium brands and, and working with, with customers, the attention to detail is, is paramount. Um, and it was only when I went into the, the dealership to look at buying my box. The, my, my, my goal, if you like, was to buy a Boxster at 30, a, a Porsche at 30. Um, so when I'd got to 30, I went into the Porsche center. Um, and again, at that time I'd, I'd got sort of like 30 grand budget and it, there, there was two ways I could have gone. It, it would either a, a Boxster or a 964 911. Um, and like most Porsches of that sort of age if you're looking at 964 there's that had a bit of paintwork done and um it's like anything when you when you're in the trade you you criticize every bit of paintwork and yeah. bodywork that every, every car you look at so every, every Porsche 964 I looked at um they needed paintwork to get it to my sort of standard yeah um and and I, I suppose as you do at, at that sort of age you you sort of see yourself driving around in a convertible car and think you're you're really flashing everything. So I, <laughs> I went for the the Boxster, um, but whilst I was in there, the the salesman that I was dealing dealing with was actually part of the original process a few years ago of of us being Porsche approved, um, and he worked in the parts department at the dealership at the time, and um, he he said to me, he said, "Look, would you ever consider?" Uh, been Porsche approved again and I said well I said at the time never say never but obviously it didn't work for us at the time and um and I said well I thought you'd got a shop and he said we have but he says to be honest we, we can't send anything there because the, the work's that bad yeah. and uh I said well look yeah if if, if, if you want to chat 
come down and see me. Um, so that was on the Saturday. Um, so I'd agreed to buy the car on the Saturday. Um, on the Wednesday, I got a call off Porsche. Um, I picked the car up the following Sat, following Friday. The following Monday, Porsche came down to see us again. Um, obviously, a few years on, I'd, I'd matured more. I was in a better position to understand how I could make this work within the business. Um, and, and pretty much within a week, we'd agreed to be Porsche approved. Superb. Um, and obviously, that's when we started to... Um, that was sort of... When was that? That was May, June time, 2000. So by January 2001, we'd got Porsche approval. Um, our baptism of, baptism of fire was a 993 Targa that had been T-boned in the side. Um, the driver's door card was actually touching the, the handbrake. It had oh been pushed God. in that far. Um, so um, it, it, it was a How big old How straighten bump. that out? Jesus. Uh, well, yeah, it, it, was a, it, had, um, it had a sill inner and outer. It had a quarter in and outer. It had part of the, um, the floor pan, obviously the door. Um, yeah. It had a seat. Um, it had loads. Um, yeah. and if, if, if you think it's like most things you, you want to, it's like anything you, you want to ease yourself gradually into a brand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Just do a couple of little parking dents on some bumpers. Yeah, exactly. But the great thing is we still see that car driving around now and it still looks incredible. Yeah. Um, we've, we've seen him a few times since for a few other bits and pieces. Um, but again, that car is, I think it was a 98 that car was, um, but it's, it's still on the road now and it still looks fantastic. Um, and what what I found so interesting and so rewarding was dealing with a manufacturer as opposed to a, an insurer is you, you feel part of a, um, a team and they're there to support you. So any technical questions we'd got at that time, yeah, obviously going back to 2001, the, the training and the equipment wasn't uh, a fraction of what it is today yeah. um, and again that the Porsche team was a lot smaller then um, but they were just at the end of the phone they'd talk you through things they'd help you out um, and again just dealing with the customer as well having that common passion about the cars um, it's just so much more rewarding to yeah. um, to speak to somebody who's got that same passion as you um, I guess when you're working with insurance companies, it's just domestic appliances, really, isn't it? To most people, yeah, exactly. They're, they're just handling the claim. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not they're not interested about how much you love the car or how much their customer yeah. loves it. They're they're, they're just um, handling a claim, aren't they? Yeah, and even um, some uh, of the customers, well, majority of the customers, are like, oh yeah, it looks fine. Yeah, they're not they're not really worried as long as it gets them from A to B. So no, yeah, so. exactly, and it, even down to the, the the whole handover process as well is. Um, again, with all the different manufacturer brands we, 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 we were approved for now, is it's the, the handover at the end of the, the repair is, is the biggest part of, of, of the job effectively yeah. because you're showing off what you've done, you're explaining what you've done. Yeah, a lot of people still aren't that bothered because yeah. um, they're, they're tools to them, but there's, there's, there is the percentage of people who are so passionate about the car, they, they want to know what's, uh, what's been done. Well, it's yeah. a good point you touch on there, Steve. So you've kind of highlighted the um, advantages perhaps for you as a business of being kind of Porsche recommended in terms of yeah. you feel like part of part of the family. Yeah. So what's the advantage for the customer then to use a Porsche recommended repairer over somebody who's not? 
Yeah, so if you th- the main things, first of all, is obviously the training. Um, so the level of training that my, not only my technicians, but my VDAs, my front of house, everybody in the business is, is trained the, the Porsche way. So they understand the, the models, they understand the, the specifications of the car. So from, again, thinking about the technical point of view, even before a new model comes on the road, my guys are trained on the technology behind it. Um, so let's let's sort of bring it right up to date with 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 BEV vehicles, so battery electric vehicles. Um, bef- even before Taycan came on the road, uh, my my guys went off to to Porsche for their training um, wow. on on what to expect to see on the car, what to do, what not to do. Yeah. Uh, so they they were trained on the all the specific elements of that. So if if you think the level of training might get my guys get it it's as thorough as what you'd get at a, a genuine Porsche center at a dealership um, down to the, the the equipment that we use every piece of equipment is um, is part of the Porsche tooling list so it's they all have a vast number which is mm-hmm. a, a um, which is a standardized piece of equipment um, so we have to have that as, as part of the course so that we know that we're using the right piece of equipment to take a specific part off yeah. so it's not just a, somebody's bought a, a a set of sockets and bits and pieces from yeah. from Halfords or, or whatever Amazon plastic trim tools. <laughs> it, it, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So that there is a specific tool for every specific process uh, of removing stuff off your car. So, like you say, a, a simple trim tool. Yeah. Most most places, well, oh, let's have a bit of a go at this. See how we get it off. But there, there is a tool for the job. Yeah. Um, so if so, somebody's so, somebody's um, sort of fixing like a door that's had a big dent in it and you've got to take yeah. all the internal deal- door cards off. Yeah. Maybe you'll go to a, I don't know, a general um, body shop around the corner. They'll whip off the door panel, probably lose a few clips along the yeah. way, not know how it goes on and off and kind of your door panel are then sort of half hang off when you get it back. That, that, that's it. Okay. That's so it, when, But, but, but it's not only that. We, we have, we it. have, um, we've got access to, to methods as well. So as soon as we we take a job in, the first thing that will will happen is even before it's come through the door, when it's assessed by the the, the VDA, uh, Vehicle Damage Assessor, um, he will print off all the methods that's needed to repair or the the process of repairing that car. So he will use that for the um, collating the data needed to substantiate the the, the estimate of of repair. So to make sure we've got all the processes down. That then, once it comes into the shop, that's then updated and the, the technician will go on to uh, Peavis. Um, he'll do a diagnostic check of the car uh, to see if there's any uh, electrical faults on the car before we even okay. start. Yeah. Because, um, again, these days, anything you touch on a car electronically will store a fault in the, the management system. Yeah. So that the fact that we can we can do a sweep first of all to see if there's any, any inherent faults that are stored on the car yeah. before we even start um that a lot of a lot of bits and pieces we can clear down straight away before mm. we start it it might be a an intermittent fault that we can clear down mm-hmm. um then we'll do the repair and then obviously uh, we do a post sweep as well um to make sure that everything we've done is all cleared down as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, even, even access to, to that PWIS system is a, yeah. is a huge investment on your behalf because, um, you know, Porsche don't give that system out lightly or access to it. So no, they don't. The, the only access you will get is obviously if, if you're a Porsche uh, center or obviously a Porsche recommended repairer. Um, and the, the next generation of tester is coming out next year as well. We should see that from about August onwards. Um, and obviously, as the cars become more um, 
techno technologically um, advanced, we need more testers. Um, at, at the moment, we've, we've got two testers for Porsche within the business, um, but we're working to a point now where it'll be like a, a tablet-based. So each technician will have a, a, a PWIS tester on in their work bay, uh, which will give them constant access to, um, to warranty campaigns, to methods, repairs, and, and, and everything that, that we need to get access to. Yeah. So effectively, we're, we're, effectively, we're becoming a, a Porsche centre, yeah. um, but, but obviously for, for bodywork. Yeah, and, and again, I think it says on the website, Steve, of guys like Porsche recommended. Um, yeah. There's 14. I think there's less than that now because the, the process to get it is one thing, but then to maintain that kind of accreditation is quite stringent. Yeah, it's it, it's Porsche are quite unique in how they run their programme in, in the fact that it, it's all about uh, quality and standards. Um, so first of all, there, there are, I think there's 15 at the moment. There'll, there'll obviously soon be another one going on because we've we've got uh, the Bristol area, uh, which we should be opening up uh, early part of next year. Um, and then obviously, as the, the the Porsche brand grows and dealerships grow, um, and um, there, there will be more catchment areas coming on uh, where where body shops are needed. But at at this point, it's about 15. Mm. Um, but yeah. Um, it's like most things. There, there is a minimum standard to start with, which is your facility. Um, obviously, you've got to be financially viable as a business, um, great reputation, and then ultimately, you've got the tooling, uh, the equipment, and and training. Again, if you think of a, a, a body alignment jig and measuring system, because on, on aluminium cars, you, it's not like the old days where you pull the panel back into a line or a chassis leg. Yeah. With aluminium, you just literally cut it off and, and replace it. Um, so if, if you take the, um, the approved, uh, body alignment jig and measuring system, that's probably best part of 85, 90 grand now. Yeah. Um, just, just for that, that's one piece of equipment. Then you've got your welders, um, and, and your dent pullers and all your various other bits and pieces. Um, so yeah, it, it's about equipment. Then you've got the specific tooling, as we mentioned earlier, and then you've got the training. Yeah. Um, so once once you've got to that sort of level and you can then say that you're um, you've, you've reached Porsche standards, it's then about maintaining those standards. So we then have four um, uh, unannounced um, inspections a year where they'll come in and check to make sure you're repairing the car to Porsche standards. Um, so they'll come in and check check the vehicle, make check the quality of repair, check to make sure that you've you've printed off all the um, the methods. So you can prove that you're doing the job to Porsche standard rather yeah. than, oh, I, I know how to fit this quarter panel. I've done hundreds of them before. Yeah, yeah. Um, because the thing is, processes change mm. regularly. If, if, if a manufacturer finds an issue with something, then they'll change a process. Um, so you need to make sure that you're working to the latest possible uh, system of um, a process of repair in that car. Yeah. Is there, a, are any of the... Um, accident damage places actually in Porsche centres or are they all outside of Porsche centres like yours? No, they're, they're all, some are owned by um, groups that are obviously own the dealer, the, okay, uh, yeah, the dealerships, yeah. um, but the majority of the, um, the the Porsche recommended repairs are independent businesses. Yeah. Um, and is that the same, uh, same across the world? Um, no, it's, it's not. It's, it is quite unique in the, in the UK market. I mean, if, if okay. you think of, of across Europe and, and America, Asia, that they are generally dealer owned. Uh, the body shops are part of the, um, 
of the dealer group if you like yeah. there'll generally be a body shop on site okay um but the um the, the uk is, is is quite unique in the yeah, body why, repair industry why do you think it's different why is it different to the rest of the I, world then? I, I i honestly don't know i yeah i, I can only think from uh, personal it, um my personal opinion is that um as as a body repairer we it's our life um a lot of us have if if, if i think of the majority of the the, the porsche repairers or, or any other manufacturer that have, have got um uh, and any other body shop they've got manufacturer approved um accreditations we, we're sort of we've grown up through the business yeah um and it's our passion so we're not interested in selling cars or servicing sure. cars. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's purely down to the passion of, of repairing the cars. Yeah. So we've all come through the trade, either as a painter, a mechanic, or a panel beater, yeah. um, and obviously done, done well and, and progressed to business owners or, or leaders or, or whatever. I guess it fits into the sort of UK mentality of um, we're more ultra, I don't want to say entrepreneurial. I want to say more sort of small businesses that grow. Yeah. Um, we're not that we're not like European sort of thing is more corporate mm. um overall Re regimented, I suppose, yeah. you know. Yeah. We're I a bit think, more but it's I don't know, it works for our culture, I guess. Yeah. 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 I mean okay. I, I spent I spent quite a bit of time a few years ago when we got Lamborghini approval, when we opened our um our aluminium shop back in 2012, um, we were the first repair in the world to actually uh, achieve uh, the direct accreditation from the manufacturer. Uh -huh. um, so I spent a lot of time out in Italy, not only talking to uh, the guys at the factory themselves, but looking at other body shops that were out there. Um, and again, that they were all sort of um, owned by dealerships or, or part of um, on, on site at a dealership or close to. Yeah. Um, and they, they were run as another department of, of the dealership. Um, but again, the people involved were just people who work for the business. Yeah, Whereas employees if you think about, rather than... Yeah. yeah. Um, but again, if, if you think about the, the, the Porsche network now, all, all of the people that I associate with from, from the other body shops, um, they're, they're all business owners. They've, they've all come through the trade um, yeah. off the shop floor. Um, and like you say, it, it's that, um, that owner-driver sort of business yeah um where again a lot of them stay at a certain size and they're quite happy with that yeah um yeah. but then there's other others that open up separate sites and then become groups and so on and so forth which yeah. which it's, it's great to see um like i say the entrepreneurial ele element of um of, of what um, business owners have created yeah yeah, yeah. Steve, really in terms of like how the game has changed you've done a fantastic article for us last week on um on nineworks.co.uk and how uh, the evolution of paint how that's changed yeah. from solvent-based to water-based uh, the environmental impact mm. um it, you know you you mentioned about aluminium earlier on i think that's another point worth touching on and how um especially like in in porsche circles the 911 in particular it's very multi-material based now yep. which is a yeah. big step change from even as recent as 996 which was predominantly steel yeah yeah definitely um, i think if you think back to like say 996 997 um with the introduction of panamera which was their first sort of vehicle where um aluminium was becoming more uh, more prominent in external panels and cosmetic panels effectively um back in the day then we worked um really closely with porsche on the the tooling and the standards because um, we'd been um audi aluminium approved um 
since 2005. And back in those early days, there was only eight Audi aluminium approved body shops. So for me, it's again from a panel perspective, it's it's something that I've got a, a, um, a tremendous about a passion about and making sure it's done right and finding yeah. a lot more about it. So when Panamera came out, and and obviously we knew there's, there was going to be aluminium in there, we needed to look at the tools uh, for doing the job, um, the processes, the facilities, because um, again, aluminium has to be done in a, a controlled environment for heat. So there's no cross contamination with, with steel. Mm. Um, even down to dust extraction, that has to be separate. Um, because if you get a, um, uh, quantities of, um, of the, the, the materials, it, it's combustible. Um, so even down to dust extraction, you have to use a separate unit. Yeah. Uh, for doing so, um, and, and grinding the swarf off as well, so that they can't be um, cross-contaminated. Um, so, so yeah, the, the the change of the the panels, it like I say, it then went to uh, from weld traditional welding, um, so spot welding, uh, mig brazing. It then moved on to rivet and and bonding. So obviously, when it when the car is uh, is created at the factory, it's all uh, it's all welded. Um, on an aluminium car, spot weld sort of thing. Um, but moving forwards, we can't replicate that. So the, the, the approved repair method for that is rivet and bond. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would, you'd remove the, uh, let's say a rear wing or rear panel, whatever it's then bonded on. And then there's uh, piercing rivets that hold it in place as well, which is as strong, probably if not stronger than what a, a, a spot weld would be. Um, so again, the, the the processes have changed, trainings changed, technologies changed, um, to enable us to uh, um, to obviously repair the cars these days. Yeah, and and I think it's 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 definitely made things possibly more complicated for you guys, and uh, it possibly only get more so because. Porsche, um, as more kind of as the cars are more technology laden, with that comes weight. And yes. how Porsche is trying to mitigate that on its sports cars is by taking weight off where it can, which is in the materials it uses, exactly. on the body so, and the chassis and that type of thing. That's so. it. So more more use of I mean, if, if we take the, the the GT range for example, there's there's more and more carbon fibre on there, carbon fibre roofs, bonnets, wings. Yeah. Um, and, and again, that, that's obviously for lightness for for race purposes. But like we say, as 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 you add more technology, so the amount of of ECUs and control units that are on a car now, um, it's incredible where they hide all this stuff. Whereas before, you'd have um, a cavernous spaces in in the the, the the rear wings and in the boots. These days, it's all full of technology, and all this oh, stuff yeah. um, obviously has got a decent sort of weight as well. So they've got to compensate that by using more and more aluminium plastics um, and like we say, carbon fiber as well. Yeah. And then that's it. And I think like broadly speaking with the 911 Porsche is, is, is trying roughly to keep the 992 at a similar overall mass to the 991. And that's again, there's, 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 more weight um in terms of like technology on the 992 but they're trying to mitigate that and offset that through lighter materials yeah um, which is all kind of fun and games until things go wrong and then it's kind of down to you guys to to fix that and that becomes very complicated i can mm. imagine so exactly um, you 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 mentioned racing steve so i'm really keen to touch on your kind of yeah personal affiliation with the brand because you, you mentioned your first car was was a, a 986 box star there there have been a few since then a few different models but let's yes let's jump let's jump straight to the racing first uh because you 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 race a 986 box currently in a gorgeous uh rothman's livery 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, because of my my passion for Porsche and and racing, uh, back in 2018, um, Porsche decided to do a um, what 18, 19 when Boxster was 20 years. Um, in the past, they've always done when when vehicles have reached milestone anniversaries, we've done various restoration projects. Um, but obviously, it wasn't viable to spend thirty, forty thousand pound on on restoring a Boxster on a mass sort of level so they had a great idea of, of creating a race series which is called the um, uh, Porsche Resto Racing uh, and the, the original brief was for for Porsche centres um, to create a, a racing car in conjunction with the Porsche recommended repairers um, that were done in the, the, the classic um, uh, racing livery um, so again, there was there was like the the, the Wiley's jeans. There was the, the we did the pink pig in conjunction with Porsche Centre Wolverhampton. Um, there was the the um, what other ones was there? Um, there was a psychedelic purple and green. Um, there, there was, was an, it, yeah, there was another psychedelic. I know Porsche Bournemouth down here had the uh, the yellow and that's red it. They did yeah. they did psychedelic in in yellow and red. Um, there was the Martini uh, livery cars. Um, it, like I say, it was, it was great to see. It's so by, inspired idea, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah like, it who, was who came up to you? How, I don't know. I can't <laughs> talk. Who came up with that idea? The 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 idea originally the um, one of the, uh, the top guys at Porsche was a guy called Jonathan Manel, and he's a massive Porsche fan. Um, yeah. And him with his his team, James Toy was was marketing at the time, um, and and Stephen Pottinger, who's the, um, the the body repair program manager. Um, obviously came up with this idea and, and like I say to to use the uh, the livery was absolutely um, inspired um, yeah. uh, inspired and, and, and absolutely brilliant and to see them all on the grid in the first year was was, was fantastic yeah um, I I followed the the, the the pink pig as much as I could around the country at various events and sat there thinking I'd, I'd love to to be in the position to, to drive one of the cars um, at the end of the first year, they then said we were looking for more cars um, on the grid, yeah. um, and I sort of got talked into it by um, by James Toy from from Porsche Cars and one of the other uh, body repairers who was supporting two of the Porsche centres, which was um, Wilmslow and Bolton. Um, he, he's big into his his race cars as well. And he said, "Look, do it. You'll absolutely love it." Um, so one of the Porsche centres, which was Leicester at the time, they'd done it for a season and then decided they weren't going to continue. Um, so I bought their race-prepared car. Um, first thing we did was stripped it all down and repainted it in our um, chosen colours, which was obviously the Rothmans colours, um, and then set about getting my odds licence and, and ultimately becoming a racing driver. Awesome. Um which was the the most exciting and nerve wracking thing to do, um, and I remember my first race, which was at Donington in the 2019 series, and sat there on the grid. I mean, it's one thing going out doing track days and, and having a bit of a play, yeah. but when you sat on a grid with with 30 other cars, um, because we were at, we we race in conjunction with the, the Porsche Club Petro Canada uh, series, so there's two other categories as well. Yeah. Um, so in some races, we've got as many as like 36 cars on the grid. It's pretty busy, um, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so when, when you, you've got um, 996s in there, 997s, Caymans, a lot of them are boxers as well, but obviously they've, they've been souped up 
yeah. according to their class. Um, it, it really was quite scary. So my, my first race was, look, you've just got to get round. Um, <laughs> second race was, okay, I know what I'm doing now. I know what yeah. I need to do to um, to get round. Um, but yeah, absolutely love it. Our cars are are pretty much basic spec cars. Um, every car has to be the same within our class. Um, the only uh, change to the car, if you like, is the suspension. Um, so you, we, we've got um, um, uh, sports springs on it. Um, we've got GT3 um, 996 lower arms. Um, and again, it really, it's all down to how you set your car up. Yeah. Um, but we, we're restricted to weight. They, they've got a maximum weight of 1350 kgs. Um, so again, you, um, you, you've got to be, um, sorry, a minimum weight of 1350 kgs. Um, so it, it's all about the, the skill of the driver. Um, and again, for me, I'm, I'm not the best driver in the world, but the, the feeling you get when you sat there on, on the, uh, the starting grid, um, and it's those, those, the red lights go out and off you go. It's yeah. uh, it's absolutely incredible. Awesome. It's uh, not a bad position to be in in terms of running a, a body repair centre and taking part in a race series as well. No, I know no, that's, 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 that's. Are you a, yeah, are you well, a bit bargy? <laughs> as a consequence, <laughs> or, or well, the, are the you first, more protected of your pain? The, Which way do the, you the, go? The first series, because we again from from my perspective i wanted to show the skills of what we can do as a business yeah. um so all the, the colors that we'd use i wanted it to be completely smooth to touch so bear in mind we've got we've got several colors on the car yeah. um so it, it was it was uh, triple lacquered so when you touched it you, you couldn't feel any any difference in the the, the layers of the paint on there yeah, yeah. um so obviously first year I, I was quite protective of it. Um, <laughs> second, second season, um, uh, we had a short season obviously because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but I had a, a big smash at Alton park where I, I wrote the car off. Um, we aquaplaned at hundred mile an hour, um, and put it in the, uh, in the arm co and made a, a, a bit of a mess of the car. <laughs> Paint um, not so smooth as it was nearly. <laughs> sorry that paintwork not as smooth as it was no no it wasn't no um <laughs> so it, then again it, it was a case of right yeah let's let's get it looking great again but it's it's a racing car it's meant yeah. to have um uh, a few little battle scars so the, the last season that we've just completed um it has been a bit more brutal um and lee as you saw when you you came to uh, drive the car yourself um there's there's quite a few uh, dinks and dents around it <laughs> Um, but the, um, January we'll start to strip the car down again, um, and we're going to um, completely respray it, change the colour scheme, um, and we'll get it good to go again for for next season. Awesome. It, it sounds great, and 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 there, Steve. I remember you mentioning before. I'm putting you a little bit on the spot here, so feel free to say no. But when we'd spoken about the colour change for next season, you come up with a fantastic idea to get some listeners uh, of Nine Works Radio involved with what it might look like next year. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, what I wanted to go for is I've, I've got a colour in mind, which which I want to do, um, but I can't think of a design of of how it would best look. So, uh, yeah, when we spoke about it, it'd be great if your listeners could come up, uh, maybe do a competition, um, yeah. of come up of, of the best livery, um, and then collectively we choose which looks the best, and obviously the winning livery gets to go on the car. How um, cool is that? That would be yeah. awesome. We, we awesome. did um, we did a similar com- uh, 
competition with um, fifteen eleven. They're doing mm. they're building their nine one four, and unfortunately that sort of stalled a little bit due to COVID and and their workload. Um, but from that, we had so many amazing um, ideas mm. that uh, yeah, I'm sure you mate, you will definitely have a great idea from some one of our listeners. It's it's just such a good idea, and as we've touched on earlier on in the conversation, you know, um, Porsche GB kind of set a really high bar and an awesome precedent with that inspired decision to have you know mm. let's let's reinvent these iconic liveries on onto the 986 box yeah, platform yeah. and mm. and you know steve you're pretty much giving people a blank piece of paper to try something again so it's an awesome idea we we're grateful of that so if you're listening at home and you've got a cracking idea for how a 986 boxster might look um yeah get the get the pen and pencils out get yeah. drawing can, or get i can do some machine. nice orange stripes <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that'll be awesome we're, we'll action that on social media and then and then well we're going to get you back on next year anyway for a body shop q a so maybe at the start of next year we'll yeah. um we'll discuss where we are with that yeah so, and don't forget but, you're going to be driving it as well so uh again i interested it i have to say steve <laughs> i'm so grateful of that and I, I you know we're going to do that and i'm i'm so kind of chuffed and proud personally speaking that you've elected to put some nine works uh decals on the car for this year so yeah. that was um that was yeah really special for me personally so thank you for that um let's let's touch on yeah your your kind of your personal uh your personal endeavors with porsches if you like so there's been loads since that initial 986 box there give us a flavor yeah there's, there, a, there list. Has, there's a list isn't there I can there, see there, there, there is a list there is a list so it, it started in 2001 with the boxster 986 2.5 um so again having these these cars um always having a passion for porsche obviously when they when they brought the boxster out it, it was a bit of bit left field wasn't it in the fact mm. that it, it had a lot of uh, contrasting reviews everybody said it looked the same from the back as it did from the front um completely mm. different to what um the iconic porsche shape was all about yeah. um but I, I absolutely loved it um, and as I said, it was either that a choice of a, of, as a nine six four, probably about a ninety plate, ninety ninety one for the same sort of money. But then I would need to respray it to get it to how I wanted it. So we went for that. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, I then ordered. Um, I then took delivery in January two thousand and two of a nine eight six Boxster S Arctic Silver with Metropole Blue, uh, eighteen inch turbo wheels absolutely love that car um and then at the end of um january the wife tells me that we're expecting our first child um so consequently um all the thoughts of driving around with the roof down and us having a great time we're all shot to smithereens at the thought of um um we, we were going to be a family um so Kept that for about six months, did the dutiful thing, and I then bought a um, an Audi A4 Avant, um, which was the, at the time was a 3.2 V6. Um, so we, we pimped that up a bit um, and um, bought that. That was brand new. Um, as soon as I bought it, yeah. realised I'd made, yeah, fam- family car, realised I'd made a terrible mistake. Um, <laughs> what, what did I think I was doing? Um, so... Um, I think within about six months, was it early 2003? I then got into a 996. So I had a, a Gen 1 996 Arctic Silver. Um, I then swapped that for another 996 about 2004. Um, 
we then went on to the uh, Gen 1 KN, um, which again was my sort of attempt to settle down a bit and yeah, be a family yeah. man. <laughs> um, so we had that a bit. I then moved on to 997s. So I went through a, uh, I had a 2S in, in basalt black. Um, I then moved on to a 4S in Arctic silver. Um, after that, then I had a, a turbo, uh, Gen 1 turbo in basalt with black interior. Um, and I absolutely love that car. Um, then I had a bit of a break out of, of Porsche. I had a few other bits and pieces. Um, around 2013, went back into Cayennes, a um, couple of Cayennes. Then I jumped into a Boxster S. I just wanted something for a nice little car for the summer. So um, put the word out of the dealers that we work with and said, right, I just want some fun to play with and got myself another Boxster Boxster S, which was absolutely incredible. Um, they are the most fun cars to, to have. Not a lot of money, but they, they just drive. The, the driving um, driving position, engine position, and everything just makes it a, a great car to drive. Yeah, and that would have been a 981 then, I suppose, which yeah, is it was, like yeah. almost the, yeah. the sweet spot of that platform yeah. in many enthusiasts' eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Love that car. Um, then, obviously, that's when we got into the Boxster Racing. Um which again for me is it, it it sort of fulfills my um um my need for speed uh, and driving um and then after that then I've had a um, last year we had a um, a 992 a Carrera S um and also a KN as well so that's that's where we are at the moment Steve there's definitely a buzzword through um like professionally and personally and it kind of comes back to to box that again like your first Porsche you've owned you've raced mm. one um so you've recently embarked on a really special project with Porsche Classic GB to restore a 986 Boxster yeah and uh, create a one of one 25th anniversary edition version which looked like the new 718 25th anniversary edition how special was that for you everything's come full circle there surely yeah, yeah it, it has i mean it, when i i got the initial conversation um regarding the car um it was like oh my god this is incredible um like i say we've, we've done various restoration projects with with porsche over the years it, there was obviously um 50 years of of, of 911 there was uh, 40 years of turbo we then did the um the special edition uh, liquid silver cars oh, yeah. um and for me and and the team we just immerse ourselves in in the projects um it's not just me who's, who's passionate about Porsche. It's it's my team as well. With the technicians that I've got have have, have worked on them uh, from from day dot effectively, um, and they're like I say they're just as passionate. Whether it be a painter or an MAT technician, uh, technician or, or panel guy, um, we we love the cars to bits. So to be involved in these projects is fantastic. But um, when when um, when Porsche contacted me about it. Um, and, and what they thought were, um, I obviously jumped to the, I, it didn't take me long to, to say, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> um, cause again, it, it, the, the box, the 986 was the one that started my, my journey, if you like, with, with yeah. Porsche. Um, so that there was a lot of reminiscing over the cars and, and again, knowing the car inside and out myself, um, it, it was just a perfect car to do. Um, and their, their vision of, of trying to create that, that original sort of, um, 
uh, idea of the car, what, what was it was meant to be about originally, um, just just got my creative juices flowing as well um, on how we could do things, how we could make it look, um, how we could use the the the, um, um, the contrasting neodyme gold colour um, to create the effects of the car as well. Um, it, it was fantastic, and like they say, they got the car anyway. It, um, they'd owned the car from new. Yeah, it's quite in- quite interesting the history of that little car, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it was used in one of the James Bond films originally, um, and then it's just been sat at, at, at Porsche, and they used it as a training car. They'd, they'd put yeah. electrical faults on it for the, the guys to find out and, and, and remedy. I bet how many times it had been ripped apart. <laughs> oh yeah, well, <laughs> when when we started taking it to bits, there was there were so many bits and pieces that were actually missing. um screws and and bolts and the the steering rack was hanging out um (laughs) so there was was quite a bit that we had to uh renew that we didn't even think when we first looked at the car with with what it's pretty straightforward um (laughs) but yeah once once we'd made a start on it stripped it all down bare metalled it um it, it was a straightforward um restoration in the fact that there wasn't a, there was no rot on the car because it's, it's yeah. not really been on the road um so it's not as if you're putting welding plates in or or anything like that it, it was just um um a, a straightforward paint restoration yeah um but again it, it, it still takes time it's still got to be perfect and the fact that it, it is a one of one i from my perspective i wanted to make sure it was absolutely faultless um for which the car is um, and again, the, the, the pinnacle of it was was obviously seeing it on display at the uh, uh, the NEC at the classic car show. Pride of place on a on an elevated plinth alongside the um, the seven one eight twenty fifth anniversary car. Um, it, it was just fantastic to see. Um, it, was, it was great. The, the design obviously emulates the seven one eight. I think the nine eight six looks better than the seven one eight. Personally yeah, speaking, yeah, yeah. I think it it really suits. Yeah, I do. And the, the, like I say, the, we we spent all Friday there around the stand, and um, the um, the the amount of comments that we was getting and um, attention as well was 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 fantastic. Yeah, it's great to see it, and the process to to put everything together and to create that it was documented in a in a two part video series on NineWorks TV. So if you're listening at home and you've not seen that, it's definitely worth logging onto YouTube and having a look. It really is quite special, and again, just kind of shows the length, Steve, that you and your team go to to turn a car from a pretty kind of almost derelict state of affairs into well a stunning one of one yeah. car. Yeah, I, my um, modifying. Um what what would i call it my yeah, modifying nows yeah, yeah. <laughs> would say it needs a little bit of a whack with a lowering stick and some slightly wider rear wheels and then it'd be perfect in my eyes yeah we, we funny enough we the the standard springs on the car yeah um we we took them off and we've put the uh the boxster s springs on it okay yeah um because again we they wanted to keep the car as original as possible yeah, yeah. um so when we put those wheels on with the standard springs on it it just looked like it was jacked up <laughs> yeah, um but the uh, uh glenn one of my technicians who, who did the, the the bulk of the the stripping and the rebuild work he says look this this looks terrible he says we've we've got your um original boxster s springs yeah um and legs in the um, um in the stores can we fit those yeah, yeah. And I said, well, yeah, why not? So we stripped it all back down again, put them on. And yeah, it, it dropped it a bit. But yeah, I, I'm the same as you. I, I, yeah. I'd like to, to drop it probably a good 35, 40 mil yeah. um, and just get the stance right. The the rear wheels, yeah, we couldn't, when we were fitting the the, the, um, 
the turbo rims on the cars. Um, obviously, we couldn't use the rear wheels because they they're just far too wide. Yeah. Um, and they they protrude the wheel arches. So we had to run with um, putting f- four fronts on. Okay. Um, to to try and get again because we was we were sort of running out of time. Time. Yeah. We, yeah. we just put a couple of five mil spacers on the back to throw it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ultimately we, we're looking to put some wider spaces on to to bring that offset out so it just fills that back arch a yeah. bit. Sweet. Um, good. Yeah. But again, from from Porsche's perspective, I remember when we did a we did a nine six four uh, Carrera four which was in the the liquid silver colors yeah. um when they, we did a complete range of the, the the model range in those and we we lowered that car because it looked so much better but then when they come to sell the car they wanted the original uh, suspension setup putting back on sure. um because porsche never made a car with with those lowered yeah. springs on uh, yeah. so it, although the stance looked absolutely incredible um they wanted to sell the car with the, with the original spec on it. Yeah, as yeah. it is. Yeah. So, um, like yeah. I say, we, we we've all got our own preferences of how we like Absolutely. a car to look. Yeah. I mean, one of the first thing I do is is um, with the springs. I've put some lowering springs on the car, and it, it has to sit right, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. What does um, what does the future hold for that one of one nine eight six projects then, Steve? You said it's currently in your um, handover bay. Yeah. So we've we've got it on display in our uh, our um, our customer experience centre in the handover bay. Um, when we finished doing our bits and pieces with it and and displaying it on uh, here, it, it'll go back to Porsche Cars Great Britain. Um, the, the the classic team at at Porsche have got loads of events planned for next year, yeah. um, for which it'll be uh, present at at all of those. Um, again, they they're not going to sell it; they're going to keep it, um, and it, it, it's there to uh, to celebrate obviously the Boxster and obviously the quality of what so that the, the Porsche network can do. That'd be a fantastic addition to that little stand. Yeah. I had the, that um, set up at Box and Gasser with um, some great, great selection of sort of classic stuff on there. Mm. Uh, yeah. It just makes it it'll add to that. Absolutely. Mm. It'd be great. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it showcases the, the breadth of uh, Porsche Classic's capabilities. It's certainly kind of a glowing appraisal uh, of what you do, Steve, at Charade, because a kind of Porsche GB Classic have uh, bestowed that task upon you in the first place. But the, the result is spectacular, as we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, perhaps people listen at home if, if they'd like to take a look and, and they really can't wait for a show. Maybe they could pop in and, and have a look. Who knows? So, Yeah, by all means, if anybody wants to come and have a look at the car, just give us a shout. Come down and we'll uh, you can have a look at the car. We'll show you around, show you what we do. Brilliant. Um, but I think from brilliant. from from Porsche's perspective and our, our our thought process on it is it's not just about modern day cars that we repair. Yes, there's lots of them, um, but we're we're just as enthusiastic about the older cars um, and keeping them on the roads and and ultimately get making sure they're repaired properly. Yeah. Um, using yeah. genuine parts, the right methods, the right equipment, um, because as, as we know, nine nine six is any uh, even older than that. They 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 deserve to be kept on the road yeah. um, and that they deserve to, there's nothing nicer. If, if, if you were, um, I don't know, a, um, a car show or something, there's nothing nicer than seeing a classic Porsche. Like we said earlier about the nine thirties, they just stand out so much more um, than, than modern day cars. Yeah. And I, I think people, people appreciate that as well. Don't they? 
I think so. And, and you know, as the, as the statistic goes, 70% of all Porsches ever built are still on the road. Yeah, exactly. Collectively, the value of the cars have perhaps never been more than what they currently are. And that kind of all mm. comes down to the passion of the enthusiast following. And then also yeah. because things do go wrong from time to time, um, it's down to the work of people like yourselves to ensure that 70% remains. Yeah. Um, so I think the, the the charade story on Nine Works Radio is set to continue. Steve, you very kindly said that you would come back on next year to do this uh, work Q&A. Yeah, I'm all so, than happy to do that, yeah. Again, if you're listening at home and you've got some questions that you'd like to put to Steve, drop us a line, uh, give us an email on hello at nineworks.co.uk. We'll put some nice questions over to Steve and, and the expertise expertise of Steve and his team uh, will enlighten us all on that and then again as well with that competition it's a brilliant competition for the race car livery uh, yeah. ready for next year and we'll look, follow, we'll look forward to following your endeavours next year on the racetrack as well let's get you on for another episode to discuss what it's like taking part in a race so yeah, look, look forward to doing that. And obviously, you'll be you'll be a racing driver as well, then. So uh... oh, I can't wait. Honestly, I can't wait. It's uh, you know only somebody that owns a uh, a body shop can uh, dare to give me the keys to a race car. I think. So yeah, I'm not sure if it's an endorsement or yeah. what. So. Have you seen him drive, Steve? <laughs> uh, brilliant. Okay, yeah. Look, Steve, thank you again for joining us today on Non Works Radio. We'll look forward to uh, to picking this up again soon and getting you back on. Yeah, my absolute pleasure. Thanks, Steve. This episode is brought to you by our very kind Patreons. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to join them in supporting us, you can do so at www.patreon.com backslash nineworksradio.